Hi, welcome into the third episode of Thinking, Complaining, and Dreaming Out Loud. This is Christine Flowers, and I'm honored that you've taken some time to listen to my podcast. Today's episode is about the police. I have very strong feelings about the thin blue line. I have spent 17 years writing newspaper columns. And for a stretch of that time, about an 18 month period, over a decade ago in Philadelphia, it seemed that every couple of months I was writing a column about the murder, the shooting death of a police officer in the city of Philadelphia. It was a deadly stretch and there was a great deal of anger, a great deal of incomprehension. How could this be happening? So many officers failed. So many officers had lost their lives in service to the city of Philadelphia. And this was at a time when the homicide rate wasn't as bloody as it is today under our current district attorney, Larry Krasner. It pained me to write those columns because to me, the police are heroic. Someone who wakes up in the morning, puts on a uniform, straps on a gun, and walks out the door without knowing if he or she is going to be coming back later on that day, is someone who truly lives for others. No amount of money, no compensation is enough to pay those individuals back for what they risk every single day of their lives. So you can tell that my bias runs deeply and directly in favor of police officers. I understand that there are some very bad people out there who wear the uniform. I also understand that they are the vast minority of a larger crew, of a larger legion of men and women who give their all in the service of their communities. I guess I would have to say that the bad cops are less than 10% of the entire force. I would also have to say that less than 20% of the police officers are hero cops in the sense that they will go to any lengths whatsoever to put their safety on the line for strangers. And in the middle, you have some very good people, some very decent men and women, who although they may not think only and uniquely of others, spend most of their waking hours doing the best job that they possibly can to keep the cities that they police safe. And in a city like Philadelphia, that's becoming increasingly 
impossible. Given the policies of our current administration, and also given the shifting, changing demographics in our city. There are so many young men and young women who grew up without any kind of anchor, without any kind of true family background, family context. Drugs are a scourge. The ready availability of guns is a scourge as well. It's not a problem of the left or a problem of the right. It's not a political problem per se. It's a societal problem like the octopus. And I, I use that uh, symbolism because I remember years ago, an Italian, un Italiano, was trying to explain to me the mafia. And this was well before the um, maxi trials, the maxi processi, when a lot of the heads of the mafia families in Sicily were being prosecuted. This was even before that. They used to call the mafia la piovra, the octopus, because it had its tentacles deeply, deeply thrust into every single aspect of Sicilian life. The Mafia is indigenous to Sicily, but similar crime organizations like the Ndrangheta in Calabria and the Camorra in my native land of Napoli, Naples, were also that sort of organization where there is a head, but that there were, there were tentacles, again, like the piovra, like the octopus, and you would cut off one arm and it would regenerate. And I look at the problem that we have today in the city of Philadelphia and in so many of the urban cities, in the urban centers around the country, and it's the same thing. One tentacle is drugs, one tentacle is, is guns, one tentacle is lack of education, one tentacle is children having children out of wedlock, one tentacle is grandparents raising children, one tentacle is racism. One tentacle is poverty. One tentacle is absolute lack of concern and care for the human condition. One tentacle is the acceptance of abortion. And I'll be talking about abortion in a future podcast. I am deeply, deeply pro-life. And I happen to feel that the fact that we, that we blithely accept the legality and the ubiquity of abortion has caused a great deal of the violence in the United States because it has undermined our sense of the sanctity of life. As St. Teresa of Calcutta said, there will be no peace until mothers stop killing their own children. So all of these things lead to a dangerous society and the thin blue line that protects us against this chaos, this maelstrom, has an increasingly difficult job. And they are human beings, these men and women in uniform, and they make mistakes. And sadly, sometimes the mistakes that they make cost human life. And sadly, sometimes those lives are young men. And sadly, sometimes those lives 
happen to be police officers as well. During my daily walks around the city of Philadelphia, I often have occasion to pass by the plaque at 13th and Locust, where Officer Daniel Faulkner was gunned down by Mumia Abu Jamal on December 7th, 1981. I also have occasion to pass by the mural painted in honor of Sergeant Robert Wilson, who died, who selflessly gave up his own life to protect customers in a video store. He had gone into this video store to buy, uh, it was a GameStop, he went into the store to buy some videos for his young son's birthday. And he interrupted an armed robbery. He pulled out his gun, started shooting, took on fire, was killed, protected the lives of innocent customers and the personnel at the GameStop. I pass by a memorial in South Philadelphia to Officer Charles Knox. Officer after officer after officer, the names are written on my heart. They bring back to me, they recall to me what it means to wear that shield. And yet, and yet, <coughs> excuse me, I'm still recovering. <coughs> you will understand that the Christine Flowers podcast is not a technical wonder or a technical marvel. You will hear these little glitches every now and then when I have to go, <coughs> and yet, there are situations <coughs> where there is no justification for the actions of a police officer. And yet, there are situations where a police officer needed to act to save his own life and to save the lives of those around him. And those acts caused a regrettable death. I want to talk about two of those situations, starting with, <coughs> excuse me, a case that arose on December 5th, which is the day after my birthday, 2020, late last year. It only came to light recently because the victim in this incident has filed a lawsuit against the small town in Virginia where the incident occurred. Karen Nazario, a soldier, enlisted soldier, army medic, was driving his new SUV, did not yet have plates on that SUV. Officer Joe Gutierrez followed him, followed him, followed him, noticed that there weren't any plates because this was a new SUV. Followed him, put his siren on. Nazario, apparently not understanding that he was the one being trailed, continued, didn't stop, ultimately pulled into a, um, a gas station, pulled into the driveway of the gas station. He did stop eventually. Gutierrez goes up to him and in an extremely aggressive manner, 
tells him to get out of the car. Nazario refuses to do so. He says, what are you pulling me over for? I haven't done anything wrong. It happens that he has a plate with the number of the license written and on the dashboard and in clear view of the officer. Gutierrez insists, says, get out, get out, get out. Nazario puts his hands up and says, I I have to be honest, I'm afraid. This is an army medic. This is a guy in full uniform looking at a police officer. And Gutierrez, do you know what he says? He responds, you should be. No soldier should ever be told you should be afraid by another American in uniform, that being a police officer. Nazario did not want to get out of that car. He was pulled out by by Gutierrez and pepper sprayed. The incident is on film. You watch it, you look at it, and there is no question that Nazario was abused by Officer Gutierrez. Officer Gutierrez abused his authority. And I, for one, hope that Karen Nazario wins every single penny of the $1 million he's claiming, he's seeking in damages, in civil rights damages. We go from this to another incident that occurred more recently, the end of March, (coughs) involving a 13-year-old in Chicago named Adam Toledo. Adam was out. This is a 13-year-old, mind you. 2.30 a.m., 2.30 in the morning, walking around with an older man. This is a boy that Toledo's mother has come out and described as a child who loved to play with Lego, loved to build toy houses, and was just an all-around wonderful kid. This kid, however, was out at 2.30 in the morning, and there is strong reason to believe that he was carrying a gun, or that at the very least, he was holding a gun at some point before he was encountered by the police, by a Chicago police officer. The police officer told him to drop the gun, drop the gun, drop the gun. There's body cam footage of the officer running after Toledo. And then it becomes less clear what happens. It it appears that Toledo drops the gun as he is turning around to face the officer. In a split second, the officer shoots him. Toledo dies. The officer, after that first shot, runs to give Toledo CPR, unable to save the the boy. And now there are huge questions as to what did the officer see? Did Toledo have a gun in his hand? 
if he did have the gun in his hand, did he have it at the moment that he was shot? There is evidence that Toledo had gun residue on him when his body was encountered. A gun was found about 10 feet away from Toledo. The older gentleman that Toledo was traveling with at 2.30 in the morning has been arrested. So there is the probability that there will be some some confirmation or some clarification about what happened. But I was watching CNN. Yes, I do watch CNN. I was watching CNN tonight and I was really gratified to see Commissioner Charles Ramsey, who used to be the police commissioner for the city of Philadelphia, a strong, fine commissioner who presided over, sadly, tragically, that 18-month period when so many Philadelphia police officers were lost. And he unequivocally stated that he thought the Chicago police officer had done a good shot, that regrettable as it was for that child, and indeed a 13-year-old is a child, for him to have lost his life. It appeared from the numerous videos that Commissioner Ramsey had viewed that this was a good shot, that the police officer followed procedure and protocol and did what he was supposed to do. Of course, there will be protests. Of course, there will be accusations that another young man of color, Toledo, was Latino, was killed by an overzealous police officer. But the overwhelming consensus at this point appears to be that this Chicago police officer acted appropriately. And until we find any evidence to prove otherwise, he should be afforded the benefit of the doubt, especially given the fact that after shooting this young man, his first instinct was to run and provide CPR. This was not a reckless random shooting. The officer called several times, drop the gun, drop the gun. Toledo was running away and then turned around. And at that moment, it is very difficult to determine from the perspective of the police officer at the very least, whether that child, possibly carrying a gun in his hand, was a threat. And as the head of the police union in Chicago stated, and I completely agree, a police officer should not have to wait to be shot. A police officer should not have to hesitate and put his own life on the line if there is the probability that he himself will be shot by a suspect. And so you have two very different situations. You have an unequivocally inappropriate, aggressive, brutal officer, the treatment of Joe Gutierrez, of Karen Nazario. And that was a fairly benign Incident, if you think about the fact that Nazario is alive. He was pepper sprayed. And that's hurt. That, that harms you. That, that's harmful. That hurts. But thank God he escaped with his life. Adam Toledo is dead. 
Dante Wright is dead. George Floyd is dead. All of these cases, these shootings, have different aspects, different nuance, shadings, color. Each one of them needs to be assessed on its own merits. And that's why I wanted to talk today in this podcast episode about the very nuanced, difficult, complicated situation when you're dealing with a police officer and a civilian. Overall though, When I look at that plaque commemorating the sacrifice of Daniel Faulkner, my default position is support the police, trust the police. They do not walk out the door in the morning looking to kill people. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of thinking, complaining, and dreaming out loud. This is Christine Flowers, and until the next time, be well.